This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramzan. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online Shiorim today. This year is dedicated by Bati and Eddie Jacobs, who are married with the daughter shortly. In loving memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman, an exemplary model of dedication to family, community, and Torah education, and this is um, part of the series, all this series, that sponsored a member of memory of Mr. Gerald Moskowitz, all by his family, Okay, I'd like to talk about Shuvah, about Shuvah for two reasons. Firstly, it's the time of year, Shuvah. Secondly, secondly, it's in the parasha, the parasha of Nitzavim, Perek Lamed, chapter 30 in Nitzavim, is called Parasha HaTshuvah for good reason. But in order to uh, understand a little bit about Parashat I'd like to preface uh, the Shia by telling you that interestingly enough, there's a machloket, halachic machloket, about whether tshuva is a mitzvah or not a mitzvah. It's a curiosity. It's a curiosity that such a machloket would exist. Because... Um, it would seem that Shuvah is a good thing. And Shuvah is something that the Torah would want us to be engaged with. Shuvah. And yet, and yet, uh, the, Ramba, the Rambam, right, the Rambam, uh, in order for something to be a mitzvah in the Rambam system of things, he's got to find a pasuk in the Torah which directs us to do this mitzvah. That's what a mitzvah is, actually. It's something that comes from the Torah. Now, uh, the Rambam wrote a book called Sefer HaMitzvah. This is the list of mitzvot. He wrote that book. And the, the difficulty with writing a Sefer HaMitzvah is that the Rambam and others accepted the limitation that there are 613 mitzvot. If not for that limitation, there's no doubt that there would be many more mitzvot. That 613 minimizes tremendously the number of mitzvot. The only way to get to 613 is to eliminate a lot of candidates from being mitzvot. Now there's all the people, all the Rishonim who wrote books of mitzvot, they all accepted this limitation. All the Rishonim, they all, all said there are 613 mitzvot, and because there are 613 mitzvot, well, some of them have to be eliminated. Some, some that look like mitzvot have to be eliminated or, or squashed together with other mitzvot. There are all sorts of systems. In fact, the Rambam, the Rambam Maimonides wrote a long introduction to the Sefer HaMitzvot that he wrote, in which what he basically does is explain why not everything that looks like a mitzvah has to be counted as a mitzvah. So, again, there are two limitations. One is, you need a pasuk. In order to be a mitzvah, you need a pasuk. Secondly, 
you can't have more than 613 mitzvot. And since you can't have more than 613 mitzvot, there are a lot of would-be or wannabe mitzvot that are going to be excluded from, from your list. Excluded from your list. So in the parasha, in the parasha of, uh, of uh, Mitzavim, this week's parasha, right, we have the good fortune to have Mitzavim on one Shabbos and Fayelach on another Shabbos, which means they create a Torah on those two Shabbat songs. It's extremely short. For those of you who go to Shul to hear Kriyat Torah, you know what I mean. Uh, so after Kitavo, which is kind of a, uh, like a major enterprise, Mitzavim, uh, which is about 30 Sukim, is great. So it takes more time to call people up to get an aliyah than it does to lay in the parasha. So in the parasha Mitzavim, there is, as I told you, what is called uh, parashat um, let me just see if this this is good <laughs> in the parashat Nisarim there's a parashat that's called parashat HaTshuvah interestingly enough let's look at what, what's the parashat HaTshuvah about so if you look at the words here at the top Vayati Yavo Alecha Kol Adrima Eila Bracha Vaflava so the introduction is Parashat Kitavo. That's the bracha and the klala. So it really means Kiavo Alecha called the Rehshala. I mean, of course, you're going to get the little bracha along the way, but at the end, uh, our Kodesh says you're going to get the klala. There's no way to, uh, and that's what happened to us when we went into exile. Bracha the klala. Hashem Atati Lefonecha. Right? And you will return to your hearts. Right? Some, somehow the world, the word tshuva is connected to the word levakha. That tshuva and lev and heart have something to do with each other. And this is going to take place meaning you're in exile. We're talking about the Jewish people in exile. After, uh, after the, Roman, uh, the Romans came and destroyed the temple and sent the people into exile, then in exile, this is going to happen. I don't know what it means. But it sounds like tshuva, vashivota tshuva, elivavcha. You will go back to your heart. Uh, you know, I mean, we can we can say something about it, but you have to first uh, kind of get a feeling for the strangeness of the phrase. The phrase vashivota elivavcha. You will go back to your heart, or you will bring something back to your heart. The next pasuk says, "V'shavta Hashem elokecha v'shmadrusholo v'shavta ad Hashem elokecha." Right? What is this? And you will return to up to until Hashem elokecha. I mean, we usually think of tshuva as being turning me into a good person or having remorse about what I did. What is this? Shasta ad Hashem elokecha. So you see that even though these words are straightforward and understandable, it's not so clear what they refer to. 
ושמת את עד השם אלוקיך ושמעת בקולו ושמעת בקולו and then you will listen to God before you didn't listen that's why you were an exile now you will listen ושמעת בקולו ושמעת בקולו בכל אשר אנוכי מצרפה היום אתה ובניך בכל רבותך ובכל נפשך אוקיי אני Every, every phrase is difficult. Every phrase is, what do you mean, Atal Banecha? How can you, how can you say something, you could say something about Atal, that you will repent. Okay, whoever you is, but how do I know your children are going to repent? And in any event, Pasuk If you will be dispersed in the corners of heaven, which I guess means far away, so you have in the Pasuk some kind of a parallel between Yikabetcha, God will bring you together, and Yikabetcha, right? Yikabetcha, Yikabetcha, I'm sorry, and Vishafta. That Shafta Adashevelokecha, and that God in return will bring you to the place where you should be, which is in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. You will inherit the land over again. In better shape than your forefathers were. Right? Everything is going to be better. They tifcha, they are becham me'avotecha. And then Pasuk Vav says, "Enish Pasuk Umala Hashem Elokecha Et Levavem." Sounds like a mixed metaphor, you know, like mal. It means to circumcise. Umala Hashem Elokecha Et Levav Et Levavcha. So that seems to me that what's going to happen at the time that we're talking about in this parasha is that you will undergo a change. Whereas before, before even doing tshuva did not guarantee that you would not do an avera again. You know what avera is? There's no guarantee that even a person who does tshuva will not transgress. Umal Hashem Lekechad Levavcha means you will be changed permanently. There will be a change in your heart. And what is the change that is going to take place? Umal Hashem Lekechad Levavcha 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 And Hashem Lekechad Levavcha 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 No longer will you transgress. Because you are always going to be in a state of Ahava. Ahava meaning I want to do what HaKadosh Baruch wants me to do. I don't want to not do it and then be sorry. I want to not, you know, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. Pasuk Zion. V'natan Hashem Elokecha Kola Alota Eila Alota Klalot Kursus. Ar Oyevechol Alton Echo Hashem Edafuko That's what we wanted to hear. All these curses in the parish of Kitavo, which are very long, many and detailed, they will become they will become curses upon the enemies, the people who caused you 
trouble and distress. That's what's going to happen. Asheri dafucha, lakata shuv shabbat v'kol asher v'atit v'kol mitzvotav. Asheri dafucha mitzvachayom. There's a promise. This is what the Torah says. At the end of this period of history, there's going to be exile. And in the exile, there's going to be suffering. And then finally, a Kodesh Baruch will decide to return us. And when we return to Eretz Yisrael, we will be changed. We will be different people. We will be different than we were before. We're not going to want to do our babies. We're not going to want to ever transgress. Right? I'm sorry. Imagine what's the word that's used to describe this perfect symbiotic relationship between God and Bnei Yisrael? Sucks. It'll be a joy. It'll be the joy of existence. That's what the person says. There'll be this, this kind of joy. Let's, uh, so that there are two periods in Jewish history. There's an earlier period where we had to choose. We had to decide are we with the Torah or against the Torah according to the way we see history. Where there were two times when the decision against the Torah was very powerful. One, the first is called Khurban Bayit Rishon. And the second is called Khurban Bayit Shani. The destruction of the temple was the result of the disconnect. Of the disconnect. And in many places in the Torah, that's why the Torah of Israel or, or the Torah expresses this idea, maybe you're not going to make it. Maybe B'nai Yisrael will revert back to them being like the people who made the Agam, the people who built the golden calf. How can we be sure? How can we be, how can we know? So you remember that the Ramban says in the beginning of the Zvarim, why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu, before B'nai Yisrael are going into Eretz Yisrael, why did Moshe Rabbeinu decide to give them Moshe? To tell them, you remember there was the golden calf, and you remember you didn't go to Eretz Israel. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu find that as the most appropriate time? So the Rabban says, the Rabban says it wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu was giving them Musaf. Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to give them encouragement. And he said to them, look, you've done terrible things. You've been a terrible people. And yet, God is bringing you to Eretz Yisrael. So there's something to be optimistic about. But this idea that today Yisrael had it in them to sin, had it in them to deny divine authority, that idea is very firmly entrenched both in the Torah and in the Tarshanut of Chazam. And so this parasha says, 
this parasha says that there will be an end, there will be an end to this situation where B'nai Yisrael are always on the brink of choosing badly for themselves. That will come to an end. And that will come to an end when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings us back to Tshuvah, brings us back to Eretz Yisrael, brings us back to Mitzvot, and where we will act out of love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, wonder, and have a wondrous relationship, which is called Sas, joy. It'll be a relationship of joy, and that's what this parasha, that's what this parasha is. This parasha is not talking about us. This person is talking about what we would like to be, and where we would like to get to. But then, after the parasha, Pasukian Aleph, now that we went through the parasha more or less, Pasukian Aleph says this, Ki Amitzvah Asher Nochi Mitzvah Hayom, Lo Nifleitu Mincha, Velo Rechokahi. So the prophet says, Ki Amitzvah Zot. Ki Amitzvah Zot, you know, it's like, it's like a half the psukim and the tanakh don't have antecedents. And the other half of the, of the psukim repeats everything too much. So you can't. No antecedents, too much repetition. Here, Mitzvah Zot. So everybody reads the psukim and says, What Mitzvah? What Mitzvah are we, is the prophet referring to? Which Mitzvah? Here, Mitzvah Zot. Asher Lo Yom, which I command you today. What mitzvah? Lord, if waiting in it's not beyond your uh, ability or beyond your ken. Of course, you can do the mitzvah. Lord, Hashemayim who leimohi. Sorry, Lord, you leimohi. Lord, Hashemayim be kachel. Lord, Yishmaedu otav inasena. Lord, meevel ayam who leimoh. It's not like that. It's right there. There's mitzvah that we're talking about. It's right there in front of you. You can do it. It's not a problem. What mitzvah? What is the mitzvah that we are talking about? So the only mitzvah in the neighborhood is this description of tshuva. But this description of tshuva is not a mitzvah. It's rather, it's rather a haftacha, a promise. There must be some difference between a mitzvah and a haftacha. They're not the same. So what's the difference? So what's being referred to? Could the Hatzachah, that Shuvah is going to be effective to change us, to change our lives, could that promise be a mitzvah? So look at the Ramban. Look at the Ramban. You see the Ramban? This is right below. Ramban Mitzvah. I'll call HaTorah Kula. Apparently, there were some people who said that the word mitzvah in that pasuk refers to kol ha because after all, the essence of the Torah, or the most important part of the Torah for us, are the mitzvot of the Torah, as opposed to the stories of the 
of the Torah. And the stories teach us things, but the mitzvahs give us very clear directives. And a mitzvah is... Uh, so sometimes he says, the Ramban says, Torah can be called mitzvah. Right? Torah can be called mitzvah. A call a Torah kula. Mahanachon. He brings a proof. And he says there's another pasuk in the beginning of Zvarim. Call a mitzvah, asher anochi mitzvah Call a mitzvah, asher anochi mitzvah So what is that refer to? Obviously the entire Torah. Call a mitzvah, asher anochi mitzvah Call a mitzvah refers to the Torah. Aval ha mitzvah that's true if you say mitzvah. Right? Mitzvah. Mitzvah means Torah. But mitzvah has zot. What is zot? What is mitzvah zot? Zot is, zot is a decrit pronoun. Which is a fancy way of saying it points. I don't mean fancy. But you know, every mitzvah, every field of enterprise has its secret language where only we understand it. And if you're not in the field, those guys, they don't understand it. Or those women. <laughs> so, so, what do you say in our Pasuk? What do you say in the Pasuk? Pasuk Yudalit. He has a So the Ramban makes a distinction. If the Torah is talking about mitzvah, then it could be the whole Torah. But if it's talking about mitzvah, so this particular mitzvah, then how could it be talking about the uh, talking about the Torah? Although mitzvah Zoti said Allah Shulah, Mishkeh. The mitzvah the to, the uh, the mitzvah that is referred to in Pasuk Yud Aleph, Mitzvah Zot is Shuva. Allah Shulah Mishkeh. We did know. I mean, according to the to the parasha. Shuvah is not a mitzvah, as I said, but here the Ramban himself says, Kiva Shivota Elevavcha. Vashivota Elevavcha, I'm sorry, Vashivota Elevavcha, Vishasa Adashevelokecha, Mitzvah Sheyisave Otanu Lasot Kech. This is the position of the Ramban. That, that remember we had this question is Shuvah a mitzvah or not so the Rabban here seems to say it is a mitzvah and in fact there's a process that backs up that contention that it's a mitzvah so the Rabban says that actually, actually this Parasha uh, has to be explained in two ways. On the one hand, it's a mitzvah. And on the other hand, it's a hapacha. So it's a mitzvah for you to do tshuva. But even if you don't do tshuva properly, if you don't get to that level, the Torah promises that there is a tshuva that is coming that is going to solve all the problems, all the problems of, of history. Uh, so 
אבל קרוב אליך מאוד לעשותו בכל עת ובכל מקום. So here you have the Ramban. The Ramban says the reason, the reason that the mitzvah of Tzedakah is put into a parasha which talks about the future is because that even though exile is itself a denial of what's in a denial of? What is exile a denial of? Because we, we don't know that kind of exile so well. But exile is a denial of free will. And you can't do whatever you want. You can't act the way you want because somehow you're trapped in the exile. And if you're trapped in the exile, what is it that Shuba needs in order for it to, to function? It needs free will. There has to be a free will actor who, who does the tshuva. And that's why the Rambam, in his Hilchot Tshuva, when he wrote the laws of tshuva, the first four chapters are about tshuva. And starting from the fifth chapter until the tenth chapter, well, he talks about free will, reward and punishment. Free will, reward and punishment, as dynamic aspects of, of Jewish existence. So according to the Ramban, what this Tasha says is that even if you're in exile, and even if your free will is compromised, and you can't make those kinds of decisions to change yourself and make yourself anew. In spite of all that, in spite of all that, the Pasha promises us, the Pasha promises us that Shuva will be available and will be able to redirect our lives towards Eretz Yisrael and redemption. So that the one mitzvah in the Torah, according to the Rabban, that implies redemption, that implies that the Torah is going to win, is the mitzvah of tshuva. Because the, the uh, ability to do tshuva, the ability to do tshuva at the end of the day, is what enables us, is what enables us to see the end of things. The fact that history demands, will demand, that all the Jews, Jewish people, will come back to Eretz Yisrael and act therein as they should in Eretz Yisrael. So, that's what the Rambam said. What does the Rambam say? The Rambam didn't agree, and he didn't agree that Shuva, that Shuva is a mitzvah. So if it's not a mitzvah, what is it? Why, why do we have to do it? Why are we interested in Shuva? So I think that the Rambam, and I mentioned it last time, but let's look at the, at the Rambam inside. There's Kol Mitzvot, the, the last Makor uh, on the page. Kol Mitzvot Sheva Torah. Ben Asei Ben Lotasei. But the Mitzvot of the Torah divided into positive and negative commandments. Im Avar Adam Alachas Mehem. Ben Bizadon Ben Bishkadwan. If he transgressed. And he, like, with that transgression himself, he knows that he did it. So, in other words, if you're familiar with the Rambam, you understand very well 
that the Raman uses the word Hayab. Hayab, you're obliged. It's obligatory to preceding a mitzvah. That's what obliged me. And if it's a mitzvah, a real mitzvah, the Rambam always quotes the pasuk in the Torah, which implies that mitzvah. So in this reading of this paragraph of the Rambam, it turns out very clearly that the mitzvah that is connected to that is connected to Shura is vidui, is confession. Right? Because he says, Hayav, that's what he said, we're reading the Rambam very simply. And there's a pasuk. And therefore you would expect that in the Sefer of Mitzvot, that the Rambam wrote, that vidui would be listed as a mitzvah, and Shura would not. And that's more or less true. That's more or less true. In terms of explaining the Rambam, in terms of saying the Rambam, I told you last time that the Rambam was of the opinion that Shuvah is not commanded because it's natural. It's something that we would do if the Torah didn't say anything about it. Because if a person is connected to the Torah, so he wants to, he wants that connection to be as, as good as it could be. And if you've done chata'im, as they wrote, if you are uh, a sinner in some way or other, so of course you're going to say, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be good. I want to do the right thing. That's what everybody would say. So the Raman said, the Torah has no need to command us to want to do tshuva. However, vidui, confession, that's another matter. Confession is another matter. Why would anybody confess? There's no, there's no natural need to confession. But I told you that Rabbi Salvation would explain that Confession is about straightening out your thoughts. You know, it's for, for, uh, for us, thinking about something is not clarity. What creates the clarity is the saying the words. And so, according to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, saying the words, saying the words of Fidui, is what gives you the opportunity, is what gives you the opportunity to repent, so to speak. And so the, the desire to repent is not a mission, but the quality of repentance, the confession, that's a mission. I've got to do it in the best possible, in the best possible way. So, going back to our parsha. Going back to our Pasha, what did the what did the Rambam said about our Pasha? Who said what uh, what uh, many commentaries uh, up to uh, including Rav Cook, sought to distinguish between individual repentance and national repentance? That somehow B'nai Israel, the Jewish people, have to be worthy. 
Now, what that means is not to say, is not so clear to me, but holistically, we understand that if you have ten people and each one of them is good, and then they're together, the ten are together, so you have more than one plus one plus one, but you have even more, it's more goodness. Imagine if you had a, a nation of people, Am Yisrael, all of whom were good. That would be really remarkable. That would be greater than the aggregate number of good people. That would go way beyond, way beyond that. So the Rambam says, the Rambam says that the individual, the individual has to deal with himself. And the way that you deal with yourself is through vidui. Because you have to stand and say something. Even if you say it to yourself, if you say it in a way that no one else hears, but you have to get up and say, I did it. I was guilty. That kind of clarity that comes to the statement is cathartic. It, it's difficult. It's difficult to do it. It's difficult to say it. You had all kinds of things maybe running around and, and all sorts of notions may be expressed in your brain, but as long as you don't have to weed out one of them and say it as an al it's not really done yet. So that's when it comes to when it comes to the individual. But on the national level, on the level of Am Yisrael, on the level of what's going to be how is history going to treat us? What is the turn of history going to be? On that level, on that level is only Shuvah. And that Shuvah, that Shuvah represents a real movement, right? Moving in the direction of Eretz Yisrael, of good, of the way everything, everything should be. So that so I would, uh, the dynamic, the dynamic of Shuba, which is a correct this for national Shuba, but not individual Shuba, was adopted by the Nachman of Rasmus as a dynamic. Nachman of Rasmus said this. He said, you know, there's a question, others have asked the question as well. Shai Tshuva asked, do you have to do Tshuva this year on something you did Tshuva last year for? I mean, you know, you have to be really an unhappy person to ask a question like that. And even if it worked, it's still there. The Aveira is still there, but you really can't be sure that you only get as many work. So what did Rav Nachman of Bratwur say? What did Rav Nachman of Bratwur say? But Nachman said, Nachman said, you have to do tshuva this year or whatever you do tshuva on last year. Why? Why? Because, because after all, tshuva, how much tshuva do you do? So you usually think you do tshuva according to the number of Averis. You have 10 Averis, you have 50 Averis. Then you do 10. You do a 10 Averis worth of tshuva. You do 50 Averis worth of tshuva. So Nachman said, no, that's not how it works. The way it works is, the way it works is that a person does as much tshuva 
and she is able to recognize the profundity of the transgression. As she said, a person who steals, who stole a little money from the vegetable cart, he's a little bit of children. Somebody else killed somebody. He's probably do a lot of children, right? But that's not what Rathman says. And Rathman says, every person, every person does as much chuva as he thinks an Avera is a bad thing. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Says, what, do you mean? what are you doing chuva for? You're doing chuva for denying God's will. God said, don't. And you said, I'll do it anyway. So how much chuva is that person going to do? How much chuva is he going to do? No. Oh. Somehow he recognizes the fact that he did an Avera. So he'll do chuva for the Avera that he did. But after he does chuva, Rav Nassim says, then suddenly he has a heightened awareness of this. His relationship with God has become more serious. And since his relationship to God has become more serious, his idea of an Avera is more serious. So the, uh, the chuva he did last year is not good enough for his the way he thinks about things this year. So the Ravnathman coined the phrase and he said that you have to do chuva of a chuva. What does chuva of a chuva mean? Suddenly you recognize it. Well, last year I did so, such a small amount of chuva because I didn't think the Avera was such a big deal but now that I see that transgressing against God's will is a terrible Avera, I'm not going to, I can't, uh, I, I can just over again. I have to make up what I, what I lost out of. So, I think it's, uh, here, even on Rosh Hashanah, you know, Rosh Hashanah is called Yom Adin, and we don't say Vidui on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, not sure why. And it sort of fits in to this idea that if it's Yom Adin, um, why, what kind of chuba can we do? But you know that uh, Rav Yitzchak in the Gemara in Rav Rosh Hashanah said, Arba Zvarim Mekarim Zar Hadin. There are four things that can rip up the justice that was needed out in heaven, like I was showing you. Everybody stands up there, and we're all uh, expected, all expected to take it. You know, we have nothing to say. But Rabbi Yitzhak said, there are things you can do, even after the Zadim, Sa'aka, sorry, the first is Sadaka, Sa'aka, Shinu Maisa, and Shemeshem. Those are the four things that we can do. In other words, the person says, the person says, you're right, I did the Avera, he to heaven, to the heavenly court. He said, you're right, I did the Avera, but I'm not that person anymore, I'm somebody else. Shemeshem. Shemeshem. Shemeshem means he did Shuva. Shuva means that I can't be, I can't be touched according to Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says the person who does Shuva cannot be cannot be, will not be, is not affected by, by the heavenly courses. The heavenly courses are by somebody else. There's somebody else who did those Avelos. So, Chuvah, 
Shuvah, you understand, is a many-faceted notion. We have to grab onto the idea of Shuvah in a way that makes sense to us. So Rabbi Yitzchak said that if he does Shuvah, he can even rip up the Gzardin of the Shammai. In other words, he's not going to get punished. Even though Gzardin means the punishment is irrevocable, nevertheless, Rabbi Yitzchak seems to say that even in this world, in the world that we live in, the punishment can be overwhelmed by the uh, by Tzedakah, Tzedakah, Shini Hashem, and Shiri Maisa. Those are the four things. Why? Oh, Tzaka. What is the Tzaka? Tzaka. Tzaka is a higher form of prayer. It's like Tzaka. Tzaka is wordless, wordless prayer. As, as important as the words are to clarify things, you know, the, the Rambam quotes uh, various sources that indicate that Chazal invented Shemona Esrei because people were unable to speak clearly, to express themselves. So they needed a Shemona Esrei that everybody would be able to, to stop it, so that everybody would be able to stop it. But Kiyacho seems to indicate that there's a higher level of Dhabit. But just as words clarify, they also limit. They also deny you certain kinds of expansive... You can say, they say, no, I mean this, I don't mean that. Like words are, are devastating. And we, everybody that's ever learned Torah knows that, because that's what we always do. We concentrate on getting a specific meaning so that prayer was deemed by Chazal to have to need a specific presentation. If you didn't have that, people wouldn't be able to daven. But Kiyacho Far says that beyond davening in the conventional way, there's the davening of Sa'ata. There's above the words. You see, when you say words, the words can always be interpreted in your favor, not in your favor. Like words are, have have limitations. Very hard for you to express anguish, to express uh, uh, the fact that you're devastated by something. But sa'aka, that expresses it. If it's sa'aka after it's kiachol fun, in my opinion. Okay, I wish you all a shabbat shalom.